Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Georgia Condell and I'm the curate at St James by the Park in Shirley in Southampton. I'm sorry not to be with you in person this morning. It would have been lovely to be there, but I'm having to self-isolate for a minor op that I've got next week. I wonder how many um, online talks and sermons you've listened to over the last 18 months. Probably far more than you have liked. Uh, we would so much prefer, wouldn't we, to be in person and together. Um, but that really hasn't been possible for a lot of the last um, year or two. I've certainly listened to my fair share and having been a Christian for many years, I've listened to many, many talks. I wonder what your inner dialogue is when you listen to talks. I certainly have my own. Um, sometimes I'm immediately drawn to a speaker. Sometimes I'm not. Now, a few weeks ago, I was um, very fortunate to be ordained as a priest in the Church of England. And prior to that, um, we have a retreat where we go away for a few days to reflect and to prepare ourselves. And on that retreat, we had a speaker and I'd not heard him before, uh, but he was going to be leading us through the retreat and uh, speaking um, throughout. On the very first day, I was quite tired, been quite stressful to get ready for it. I was looking forward to our meeting. Um, but uh, as he began to open and speak, um, he had a particular way of speaking, quite a monotone voice. And immediately my inner dialogue started to, to kick off. And I was thinking, oh, I'm so tired. I really wanted to hear something inspirational. Actually, I really wanted to um, be somewhere a bit quieter. We'd ended up because of COVID. Um, we were going to go to a nunnery and then we ended up um, having to stay at the Holiday Inn in Winchester, which wasn't quite the retreat we were anticipating. So I was a bit grumpy anyway. And um, then after a few minutes, fortunately, I caught myself. I thought, hang on a minute, Georgia. That's not the right attitude. I had to repent of my attitude because what I was doing was I was looking at the packaging. I was looking at the external. What I wasn't doing was listening into God and allowing God to speak to me and really hearing from him. And fortunately, as I kind of repented of that and asked God to change my heart and my attitude, I was able to really appreciate this chap's input to us and what he had to say from God for us. And it was a really valuable time. Now, that's not to say that you're all going to <laughs> immediately um, respond to my voice. But my prayer is that uh, whatever you think about the packaging, whatever you think about the way I speak, that God would speak through me to you and that you would hear his voice to you. And that's very much linked to the passage we're looking at today. We're looking at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And the Corinthian church is quite a young church. Now, sometimes um, we tend to hold up the um, early church as a model um, for us of the sort of church we should be. 
Uh, we tend to think of the early church as sort of the epitome of what Christ wanted for the church. Well, I wouldn't take the Corinthian church to be that. Um, Paul had founded this church. It was a church in Greece. Uh, it was a wealthy place, very cosmopolitan, um, trading community in the middle of central Greece. And the people in the Corinthian church were made up of a variety of people, um, Jewish converts, um, those who'd converted from pagan religion, so who'd believed in lots of different gods. And they were a real mishmash. Uh, Paul had spent 18 months um, setting up this church, um, teaching them, setting up leaders in the form of Priscilla and Aquila to lead the church on. And we have two letters to the Corinthians in um, our New Testament. Um, he refers to an, a third, so there may well have been other letters as well. But certainly what you get from these letters is this is a church in some turmoil. It's not the perfect church. There are divisions in it. There is sin and sexual immorality. There are even um Christians taking one another to court. So it's certainly not the perfect church. And into this mix have come a group that Paul refers to in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians as a group of super apostles. Um, when I think of super apostles, <laughs> they sound a little, little bit like superheroes, don't you? They, with their costumes on, they come in. Um, but that's pretty much what they're like. I mean, the Corinthians are clearly very impressed with these super apostles. You've come in talking about their visions and their revelations. Apparently their delivery is very slick and very confident. And the Corinthians are comparing these super apostles to Paul. And Paul's coming off very poorly. Now, that's hard to believe, isn't it? If you had the choice between listening to me and listening to the Apostle Paul as your guest speaker, I know I come off pretty badly. Uh, Paul, who wrote the lion's share of the New Testament, who founded churches across the Roman Empire. And yet these Corinthians, a church that he himself had founded, are saying, oh, you know, Paul... Your preaching is nothing compared with these super apostles. Paul feels the need to remind the Corinthians what I needed to remind you of. That it actually it's not the packaging, it's not the shiny exterior that's important. It's what's going on inside. It's the Holy Spirit's work and hearing God. It's that internal stuff. And yet at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul begins by employing the same techniques that the super apostles were using to gain credit with the Corinthians. He feels the need to boast. It's necessary to boast, he said, but nothing to be gained by it. So he knows that what he's about to say actually isn't of any particular value. But he, he feels the need to do this. And he's obviously quite uncomfortable doing this. If the super apostles are saying how amazing they are because they've had all these visions and revelations, Paul says, well, I know someone in Christ. Now, clearly he's talking about himself, um, but actually he doesn't want to 
use the first person, uses the third person. It clearly is him. But he talks about a vision he'd had 14 years ago when he was caught up in the third heaven. Now, for the um, Jews, um, lots of the Jewish scriptures talk about um, different um, different heavens. Um, some Jewish scriptures talk about seven heavens. Some Jewish scriptures talk about three. And clearly, Paul is talking about the three. The third heaven would be the throne room, the very throne room of God, just as John in Revelation has um, this vision of being in the throne room of God. He doesn't tell us much else about this amazing experience, does he? In fact, he says he can't really talk about it. God has not permitted him to do so. But he feels the need to show that actually he's, a, he's as qualified as any apostle. But then he flips it, doesn't he? Because actually he says, I don't want to boast about that. I don't want to most boast about my amazing experiences. He could have talked about his conversion on the road to Damascus, couldn't he? So many things, all the signs and wonders he'd performed. He could have talked about all those things, but he doesn't. What he chooses to talk about are his weaknesses. He says, I want to boast in my weaknesses. In chapter 11, he had talked about the things he wanted to boast about as his sufferings, as his hardships, as his persecutions. Not only that, but he says there was something else, a thorn in the flesh. Now, there's been a huge debate about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. He says here in Verse seven, therefore, to keep me from being too elated, to stop me getting too big headed, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. Now, it could be that that was some sort of physical infirmity. Certainly, um, that would be suggested from some of his other letters. So a letter he writes to um, the Galatians um, in chapter four, he talks about some sort of physical infirmity. Uh, which had occasioned him being with them. So it could well be something like that. I'm not sure debates about it make much difference. What's important is what Paul takes from this. Now, it's very clear that God decides not to take it away from them, even though Paul prays repeatedly that God would. He says, I prayed three times to the Lord. For it to leave me. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Now, when he says I prayed three times, uh, three times in the Bible tends to be a lot. Um, I don't think Paul just prayed three prayers and went, OK, well, clearly God's not going to answer me. He realised that actually God wanted to use his weakness for God's glory. And I think there's something really significant here about um, the kingdom of God and how God can use us in our weakness. It's a novel idea to boast in our weakness, isn't it? I wonder if you can imagine someone coming up to you and saying to you, 
I don't like to blow my own trumpet, but guess what? I'm really good at falling over. Or someone saying, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm really super shy. We don't tend to boast at all as Brits, really. As Brits, we tend um, to try to be quite modest. It's not something we would um, like to be seen to be doing, would we? But it's interesting that Paul chooses to boast in his weakness. And I want to bring two things out here. One is that God does not expect you to be perfect to use you. Paul has all sorts of issues going on, including this um, thorn in the flesh, whether that be physical or a mental disability, we don't know. But he doesn't stop that, allowing God to use him. Please don't feel you have to wait to have everything together before God uses you. You may not have the perfect family set up. You may not have your perfect job. You may not be perfectly fit and well. Yet God can and does use people. I spent uh, much of my late teens and my early 20s being painfully shy. Finding it particularly difficult to be in crowded situations to the extent that I often had panic attacks. And one day I said to God, please help, this is really holding me back. And you know what, it didn't change immediately. But what did change is I began to stop thinking about how I was feeling in those situations and begin to spot those who were similarly shy and struggling in a crowd. And I would go and start to talk to them. And God really used that. Now, you may not, you may think, well, she's clearly not really shy now. And uh, I'm probably not. I've learned to cope with it. But what my point is, is that God can use that. Your understanding of what it's like to feel weak or to struggle in a situation is something that God can use to his glory. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 4 of us being like clay jars and yet having the treasure of the Holy Spirit within. And those clay jars in the ancient world were the throwaway ordinary items. They were used every day. Um, archaeological pits and digs are full of these broken pots that have just been thrown away. There's nothing special. We may feel that we're nothing special, but we contain a treasure, a precious treasure of the Holy Spirit. And God so longs to use you. So don't rule yourself out because you don't feel you've got everything together. Now, that's not an excuse not to be growing more Christ-like, not to be allowing God to change and develop you. But it's also shouldn't be an excuse to say, oh, God can't use me. And the other point to make is that God can use our weaknesses for his glory. Because it's patently obvious that we are weak. So God's glory shines through. 
some of the times when I've seen God use me most powerfully have been when I have felt inadequate. And then I have to lean fully on the Holy Spirit. And let's learn to do that. So as Christians, we are part of this counterculture. We want to learn not to boast in our successes, in all the things we do well. But God wants us to boast in our weaknesses because then his strength, his power can shine through. So I have a bit of a challenge for you to leave you with this. I want to challenge you that every time you start to say, I can't, I can't share the gospel. I can't pray out loud. I can't approach that person and ask them how they are. Christ can. That's what I want you to say. Christ can. And I want us together to be able to say this and to experience this. This is verse 9 of the passage, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. God said this to Paul, and I believe he says it to us as well. My grace is sufficient. It's enough for you and I. For power, God's power, is made perfect in weakness. And so I, Georgia, will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. I'll boast in that shyness. I will boast in those times when I feel inadequate so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So my prayer is for us that we learn to step out into the things God is calling us to. Not in our own strength, not thinking we've got it all together, but relying fully on God's power at work in us, that treasure in clay jars. Amen.